I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Barbican Screen Talks Archive podcast. It's part of this podcast mission to give you insider information and background detail on underseen cinema gems. Our offering this episode certainly fits into that category. And Then We Danced is a coming-of-age film about a young Georgian man named Merab. A forbidden romance blossoms between Merab and Irakli, a fellow male dancer in the National Dance Ensemble of which they are both part. This is despite the fact that, according to their very stern instructor, there is no sex in Georgian dance. This may be an unfamiliar culture to Screen Talks listeners, but filmmaker Levin Akin does an excellent job of situating us in the conversation you're about to hear. As he explains to Barbican curator Alex Davidson, Akin himself had something of an outsider perspective, having been raised in Sweden by his Georgian parents. It seems like there were plenty of Georgians in the Barbican audience on the day this was recorded, and in answer to a question from a fellow countryman, Akin describes how he captured the authentic feel of life in this fast-changing nation. Some aspects of Georgian life are progressing slower than others, however. Akin describes how it was the violent attack on Tbilisi's first LGBT Pride march in 2013 that inspired the film, and how the fear of homophobic discrimination forced him and his crew into a kind of on-the-fly guerrilla style of filmmaking, one of the film's key choreographers even chose to go uncredited due to safety concerns. Yet despite these very real worries, And Then We Danced is a film that's full of joy and romance, communicated by a cast of mostly first-time actors. Levan Gelbakerni plays Merab, alongside Bachi Balishvili as Irakli. Gelbakerni may have never seen John Hughes' Some Kind of Wonderful, but he still seems like perfect casting for an 80s teen movie, as Akin says. Merab might well be Tbilisi's answer to Alex from Flashdance or Baby from Dirty Dancing. The film even culminates with a rebellious and triumphant solo performance in which our hero puts his own spin on stiff Georgian traditions. Clearly, nobody puts Merab in a corner. I'm Eleni Jones and this is Barbican Screen Talks on And Then We Danced with writer-director Levin Akin speaking just before lockdown in 2020 via a surprisingly good Skype connection. Hello, Levan. Hey. Please welcome uh, <laughs> Levan to the Barbican. Hi, guys. <laughs> we have a full house here tonight, uh, so thank you very much. It's my first Skype Q&A. 
fantastic. I'm glad you, your first one is here tonight. Just to start, I wanted to ask you, before we even get into the film itself, a little bit about the origins of the film. And I've read that you said that the film was made in part as a reaction to what happened when there was a pride parade uh, in Tbilisi a few years ago. Could you just talk a little bit about what happened at that march and uh, what your reaction was? Of course. So that was in 2013. Um, 50 people in Tbilisi, in Georgia, decided to have Georgia's first Pride Parade. And they were attacked by a counter demonstration of 20,000 people, I believe, organized by the Orthodox Church, some other conservative groups, and the far right. And uh, the images of you know this attack, as it became, on these 50 people... Um, were all over the news, and I saw it in Sweden, in Stockholm, where I live. I was working on another movie at that time. And um, fortunately, nobody, you know, was killed or anything, but 12 of them were injured, and they took refuge in a bus. So that's how they sort of survived. And yeah, it, it was shocking to me. I have Georgian origin. My parents are from Georgia, but I was born in Sweden, and I just never thought that it would be, you know, that... I don't know what happened. You know, I was shocked that it was so brutal. I knew that it wasn't the most, you know, LGBT-friendly place in Europe, but you know, I never knew it was that bad. So that's what made me decide to, you know, do something on this topic. And there, there was a lot of polarizing opinions represented in, and then we danced, which bounces off what you just said. There are a lot of contrasts. There's the contrast between the new and the old, the young and the old, what was perceived as traditionally masculine and traditionally feminine, what's new and what's traditional. And although there's a lot of love towards Georgian culture in this film, in fact, you've described it as a love letter to Georgian culture and tradition. Could you just talk a bit about how important dance is to Georgian culture and how it fits in with some of the other tenets that you might describe as being integral to Georgian culture? Mm, Sure. You know, I think for Georgians, there are sort of five things. It's the church, it's the wine, uh, it's the food, it's the polyphonic singing, and then it's the dance. And I think the Georgian dance, or you know, which is actually based off of Caucasian dances, you know, some are from Northern Caucasus, you know, even outside Georgia. The Georgian dance as we know it today, and the dance that you see in the film, is actually already a reinterpretation of these old folk dances that were appropriated by, firstly, this one big national dance ensemble, which during Soviet times sort of made this almost, I wouldn't say it's a, you know, pastiche, but it sort of became, you know, this big show, almost like river dance, where they did versions of the costumes. I mean, the real folk costumes don't look like the ones that they had in this, you know, there was, it was this designer who sort of re- imagine the outfits and everything and they toured uh, during soviet times they toured all over the world and they became you know a, a really big deal and like they talk about in the movie they performed at the la scala and you know everywhere and then as you know the soviet union fell they sort of faded a little and now they mostly perform in you know eastern european countries but you know like he says in the film the teacher the dances were sort of changed 50 years ago and a lot of them the dances from Ajara, where Iraklis' character comes from, originally they were more gender fluid. There were more Oriental influences. There were more feminine influences. And this dance, the Kinturi dance that they do when they dance together, was actually a dance that came out of an underground gay community in the turn of the last century. 
and that has also been appropriated into this, you know, so he sort of, if you know the history of the Kint dance, which a lot of Georgian, especially a lot of LGBTQ Georgians know of, he sort of takes that dance back, Merab, in the end of the movie, when he, you know, does those moves and sort of does his thing with it. I have loads more questions I'd love to ask, but I, I'd love to throw it open to the audience. Sure. Now. So does anyone have a question for Levana Kim? Was the film all shot in Georgia? Yes, yes it was. Everything was shot on location in Tbilisi. We shot for, I think, 25 days or something in the fall of 2018. And uh, it was a very um, challenging shoot in many ways. We had to film, you know, we had like an alternate story that we would say that we were doing in order to get... It's not illegal to be gay or anything in Georgia, not anymore. However, you know, it's frowned upon in society and it's not accepted. So we would, you know, say that we were making a film about a French tourist who comes to visit Georgia and falls in love with the culture. Uh, but then inevitably, you know, it's still spread because sometimes when we had to get into places that were owned by the municipality of Tbilisi, we would be honest and they would say, you know, okay. And then in the last minute, they would say they're renovating or something and we couldn't film there. So we had to be very flexible. A lot of the film is really shot in the moment. I think you can feel that it has this sort of documentary feel to it, like the scene with the prostitutes or when he was working in the restaurant, the restaurant was open while we were filming. We just, you know, would run out of our buses and film. Basically, it's, it's very, you know, it became this sort of neo-realist approach. We hadn't planned it that way, but that's how we had to shoot the film and be very, very flexible. Thank you for sharing. And it's a really nice movie. Could Thank you. Could you share a little bit about the casting? Because the main character is, uh, I mean, this is his first film. And so a little bit about the challenges of casting in this film. Mm. It was pretty challenging. It's a mix of, you know, people that I actually interviewed while I was doing research. Some people I, you know, found in, you know, while I was doing research also. And then some of them are actors. Some of the older actors that we approached didn't want to do the film because of the topic. But then some of them were really okay with it. Like the old man who unfortunately passed away last year, uh, the old dance teacher, the head of the company. He never got a chance to see the film. He's, you know, sort of a, a legend in Georgia. And he had no problems in making this film at all. And he thought his peers were ridiculous, some of them, who, who said no to being in this film. And the main actor, Levan, I found uh, actually on Instagram because I was um, doing a lot of interviews with young people and the algorithm suggested him. So that was one good thing from social media. And he, uh, I saw that he was a dancer. And by then I knew I was looking for a dancer. But it was a risk also because it, it was such a you know pivotal part of the film. And I had to work a lot with him to get him to these places that he needed to be in because he didn't have the tools of an actor. So it was, you know, it was a very... Um, I had to have a different approach with, you know, all of them somehow to make it work. Is he going to star in anything else? Does he continue to act? He wants to. I think he's going to be in a film, like some European film, I think, in like one year, I think the shoot is. But nothing now. No, not that I know. Hi, I'm from Georgia. And first of oh, all, uh, thank you for this feeling, first of all. Thank I'm you. sitting here in Barbican Cinema and feel so proud that oh. I'm 
I'm not reading subtitles and I'm just watching the film and I really loved it. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. And now the question. So as I know, you have never lived in Georgia and everything in the film is so real. It's so Georgian. It's like a surprise for me. So how this happened? Your family told you a lot about Georgian or there was many people who helped you to make this film? Just tell mm -hmm. me this. Sure. Uh, so actually, I used to go to Georgia every summer as a child during the Soviet times. So every summer up until, you know, the Civil War, I used to be in Georgia in the summers. And then I started going again on my own in the early 2000s. So I visit Georgia a lot. And apart from my family, who's lived in Sweden for 50 years, I also have like aunts and uncles and cousins. And some of them live in Sweden and they came later. So I have a very strong connection to Georgia and Georgian culture. However, you know, Georgian culture, as we know, has changed so much during just the last 30 years. It's like, you know, every decade it's, you know, like a new country in many ways. So I spent a lot of time in Georgia doing research, interviewing people. I spent six months with Levan and his friends just, you know, getting to know their life. And uh, I also had assistant director, I had, you know, people uh, helping me with localization and things like that. So I think, you know, all in all, that probably helped. And, you know, just being curious and asking questions and sort of observing things. I mean, this, a lot of the things in the movie is things that I heard while I was working on it. Like, you know, they were always talking about these cigarettes and how they got the shitty cigarettes that the Europeans wouldn't smoke. And I was like, okay, that's funny. I'll put that in the movie. So... A lot of it was very, very organic how the film sort of came together. Hi, thank you very much for the movie. Like, this is the fifth time I've watched it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, my friends and I are a big fan. And I'm from Armenia, and although all oh. of the Orthodox Church and others maybe have more popularity or whatever, on behalf of me, I'm 18, and my friends, we really want to thank you. Oh. Um, there's been a lot of references to like Armenia in the movie. Mm -hmm. Is this because I don't understand really? Is there like some systematic racism? What what is the story behind so many references? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say that it's racism, but I think there is this sort of cheeky competition between Georgians and Armenians, as I can see it when I hear the Georgians talk and when I hear the Armenians talk. It's like Sweden and Norway. We are always making fun of each other. And uh, also, I think, you know, there's a lot of history between Armenia and Georgia. And I think possibly some friendly banter and some unfriendly stuff, too, unfortunately, especially with some of the older generation. I mean, Georgians are very, very nationalistic, as are Armenians. And there's always this thing between Georgia and Armenia where, you know, Armenians are like, well, we built Tbilisi. Because during the turn of the century, a lot of Armenians lived in Tbilisi, and they actually did build a lot of neighborhoods in Tbilisi, and they were also very successful, and they owned a lot of the buildings and things in, in Tbilisi. So I think a lot of the sort of resentment or racism, or whatever you call it, comes from Georgians feeling, you know, that the Armenians sort of... I mean, they even mention it in the film with uh, when they're in the cemetery, when he's like... Actually, this was an Armenian cemetery. That's a very provocative thing to say in Georgia. But it was an Armenian cemetery. 
Hi, could you talk a little bit about how you integrated dance in the film? Are you a dancer yourself or did you have a choreographer? Did you work with a choreographer? And yeah. Sure. Uh, I used to dance a little. I was never like a dancer dancer, but I danced in my late teens, uh, modern dance and some ballet. But um, I always loved dance and I still do. We had a Georgian choreographer for the Georgian dance scenes, and he chose to remain anonymous, so he's not in the end credits because of fear of being sort of ostracized and not getting work after this film. And then we had also a contemporary dance choreographer called Natya Chikvadze, who did the final dance in the end. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us how the movie was received in Georgia? Well, are you Georgian? Yes, of course. I <laughs> uh, can hear it. Yeah. So you know the answer to this question. Well, I mean, we tried to screen the film in Georgia. We were going to, you know, we had first three days screening and then we were going to actually prolong it because there was so much interest from Georgia people and a lot of support from Georgian society. So I want just to say that, I mean, there is this loud mouth in a way minority that sort of, you know, screams the loudest, but there's also been a lot of support for the film. And well, we tried to have three days of screenings in November, but the church condemned the film. And then these far-right people uh, decided to sort of stand outside the cinema and prevent people from seeing the film. And we had to have police there and weapon detectors and you know policemen in every screening room. So it just became too big of a hassle for the cinema owners to screen the film. So after three days, we had to cancel the screenings. But I think we sold like five, six thousand tickets anyway, so they got to see the film and hopefully, you know, it will be available soon for people to see. Unfortunately, there was a pirated version also that leaked of the film, which was my working copy of the film, so it wasn't even the finished film, and a lot of people saw that instead. Hi, as someone who previously has never seen any Georgian dance before, it felt like that last dance was really significant, but I didn't understand the significance of it. Could you talk us through the symbolism that you might understand if you knew a bit more about Georgian dance? Yeah, I think actually, I don't know if you need to know that much about Georgian dance to understand the significance of it, because it was, you know, his personal reinterpretation of dance and his part in it and Georgian dance and his masculinity. And it was his way of reclaiming his tradition and doing his own thing with the dance. So there's actually no template that he breaks in a way like he's just doing his thing with the dance one question um, i wanted to ask i've seen this film a few times now mm -hmm. but the first time i saw it i was really kind of waiting for something horrible to happen yeah and especially the scene where they leave the club and you see the man on the streets outside but it really subverted my expectations obviously there's a lot of bleakness in the film there's a lot of joy i mean was it important for you to show some moments of happiness and bliss in the film and even yeah. yeah I mean I wanted to make a hopeful positive film from all the darkness around this topic and I never wanted to do something where our main character I mean I would never like create such an adorable character as Medab and then have something bad happen to him I think that would be very very cynical and I think you feel that there is a threat there somewhere in the background you just need a few lines for the audience to understand that but I would never go there and I think I don't like when that happens myself in movies I very rarely use violence or things like that to make a point if I don't really really need to for some reason and I felt in this film that 
it would be totally unnecessary and I think it would have ruined the movie. One of my favourite scenes in the film is the scene with the brother in the bed at the end of the film. I think it's just so beautifully played. The brother gives a really brilliant performance throughout the film, but in that scene in particular, I just find it very, very moving. Is he an actor? You've, how did you find him? He is an actor, actually. He comes from the theatre school in Tbilisi. It was his first film, as it was for many of them, except Anna Javakishvili, who plays Mary. I mean, from the young cast. It was most of their first films. I think he's extremely talented. I would like to work with him again somehow. Another thing that I've seen you mention in, in interviews, which I found really interesting, you've talked about your love of the John Hughes film, uh, Some Kind of Wonderful. Mm. And uh, there are some elements, I think, in uh, however much the context or the time it was made, there are elements of 80s teen movies in, in the film which yes. you've talked about. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, what can I say? I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up, you know, watching a lot of American 80s movies and I, wanted to sort of bring that template into this somehow because I feel like every generation, every country need a little sort of 80s, 80s, right? The, the, yeah. You know, I remember when I saw Some Kind of Wonderful the first time, I was so young. And I remember Mary Stuart Masterson's character, you know, this sort of tomboy. She was so fascinating for me. She was the first sort of queer, actually, character even though she wasn't officially queer in the film somehow to me she was and I'd never seen a girl wear clothes like that or anything it was a very very like eye-opening experience for me that movie it's a great movie if if you have people out there in the audience haven't seen it it's wonderful and it also has these class elements that I always miss in the films now everything has become so everybody's so rich in all the movies all the time even though they're not supposed to be they, it looks like they live in these huge fancy apartments and you know I like those broken homes of like E.T. with the working mom and yeah it's not like that anymore I think everything has been pushed to the right even in films. What are you working on now? What are you doing next? The thing I'm doing now next in August is I'm shooting a TV series and then after that uh, I'm also parallel working on my own film my next film uh, which is actually going to be set mostly in Istanbul and also a little in Georgia, but mostly in Istanbul. And it's based off a story that I heard while I was shooting this film. A huge, huge, massive thank you to Lavana Kin. Thank you ever so thank much you. for doing this thank wonderful you. film. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this Barbican Screen Talk with Levan Akin. We hope you enjoyed discovering the stories behind this very special film. There are plenty more film stories to come in this season of Barbican Screen Talks and we'd love you to support us by rating and subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Acast or your usual podcast providers or by visiting barbican.org.uk And we'd love to hear from you about this episode or any other in the series. Please come to find us at Barbican Centre on all the social media platforms and tell us your thoughts. Barbican Screen Talks Archive is presented by me, Ellen E. Jones, and produced by Jane Long for Loftus Media. We'll be back next time with a heartfelt and surprising panel discussion of Captain Marvel and the female superheroes who save the day. Until then, be well and goodbye. Hold up, what was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.